Welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. And today, theater royalty has come to town. I think sometimes my ignorance does make it bliss because it has seemed like it's no big deal that he is such a big deal. And the he I'm talking about is my guest today that you will meet shortly, Bob Hupp. I will never, ever, 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 ever forget Bob Hupp. One is because we are friends now and I hope that never happens, but Two, he welcomed me into an experience and a production of my lifetime that just goes down in history as one of my all-time favorite, if not favorite, roles that I have played and experiences that I have had in theater. Um, It was the opportunity of a lifetime for me to play Madame Thenardier, not once, but twice, under the direction of Robert Bob Hupp. You know, when I met him, and we'll share a little bit more about that later, you know, I just connected with him right away because he is super smart and super witty. And I guess that just sounded like maybe I think I also am super smart and super whippy. I am whippy, but witty as well, because we made such a connection, I, um, in, in my opinion. Um, but I, he, he's just a a sharp guy and I'm so tickled to have him here today. I want to read a little bit about him because they do a fine job. Uh, they being the folks at Syracuse university, um, Robert Hupp, Robert I think I have called him Roberto and that like doesn't get a good vibe coming back at me, but, or, and I've also called him, um, Bobby and he's going to get mad that I said that right now too, but I have shortened people's names and familiarized myself that way with people. Uh, but I was quickly forewarned. Don't do that again. Not by him, but others around him. I pushed the envelope a little bit, but, um, I think because we're, He likes me and we're friends that he gave me grace over that, but I I don't do it anymore. And he'll probably um, attest to that. But this says Robert Hupp is in his third season as artistic director of Syracuse stage. I believe he's in his third. It might, this might, he might even be in his fourth, but prior to coming to central New York, Hupp or Bob, as I like to call him, spent 17 years No, 17 seasons as the producing artistic director of Arkansas Repertory Theater in Little Rock. He directed over 30 productions for Arkansas Rep, ranging from Hamlet to Les Mis to Grapes of Wrath. In New York City, Hupp directed the American premieres of Glenn Maxwell's The Lifeblood and Wolf Pit for the Phoenix Theater Ensemble. Does he sound like a big deal a little bit? I mean, he's just a, he's, he's royalty of the theater. 
He also served for nine seasons as the artistic director of the Obie Award-winning Jean Cocteau, I hope I said that correctly, repertory at the Cocteau. Um, Hupp's directing credits include works by Buckner, Wilder, Cocteau, Shaw, Wiedekind, and I'm hacking that up, which also says that I don't know who that is. Um, and premieres and the list goes on and on. He really is something. He has held faculty positions at Pennsylvania's Dickinson College and in Arkansas at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock and Hendricks College. Hupp served as vice president of the board of directors of the Theater Communications Group and has served on funding panels for National Endowment of the Arts, the Theater Communications Group, the New Jersey State Council of the Arts, and the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs. Whatever, Bob. While in Arkansas, Hupp was named both Nonprofit Executive of the Year by the Arkansas Business Publishing Group and Individual Artist of the Year. I remember that by the Arkansas Arts Council. He and his wife, Clea, who is amazing, ride herd over a blended family of five children, two dogs, and a cat named Pie. I think that's how I say it. Or how it's supposed to be said. Anyway, when I read that, then I get all nervous that I'm having him on because, um, like, who am I to have a fella like that on? But uh, Bob has um, just been given some gifts. Uh, he is, like I mentioned earlier, he has the best dry, witty sense of humor and made me laugh so hard at our first rehearsal um of Les Mis but I I won't dilly dally anymore so we can get right to that interview with Bob Hupp and you will really um appreciate that this guy is out there in the theater community even amidst all the restrictions and what have you for COVID and making theater really good theater happen here's my friend Bob Hupp Bob Hupp do you see a little blinking red light that says we're recording? I see a solid and sometimes, yes, blinking light that says we're recording. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to tattle on me that I had the, uh, I, I, I hit a bump last week when I had you scheduled and I went to hit that um, little record button and there were issues. So I know the audience that listens to me pretty faithfully, they know that every time I have a guest on, I do this anal retentive, do you see the blinking recording light? And I know that they've rolled their eyes at me. And now I'm here feeling vindicated a little bit that there is a reason that I'm that anal retentive because I actually experienced with you failure. That's not the first time I've experienced it with you, and we'll get into that. So, Bob, I'm tickled that we're together here. You are, I'm going to brag on you. I told you that last week, but you may have forgotten. You are one of my, in the top 
groupings of people in my life. And I don't get to see or speak to you as much as I would like, but I really like you. I think you are um, brilliant. And I told you that relatively early on. I think you are super funny, um, super, super smart in general, brilliant as a director. And I think that's the best way to start this podcast interview, don't you? It can only go downhill from here. <laughs> God. No, I'm not. I'm so, so sincere. Um, I've had a moment to, to introduce or talk about you a little bit before we got to this point, but I met you because I was fortunate enough and I'm not blowing smoke. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to be called into an audition for Les Mis for you, uh, being produced in tandem with your theater in Arkansas at the time and Phoenix theater. And uh, I guess they say the rest uh, is history. It was a fun audition, um, but I, uh, I, you did cast me. I think you cast me under some pressure. Is that fair to say? I don't know if it was pressure, but I can say that Michael Barnard sung your praises and he was right uh, in every way. He, uh, he, he told me that, he might have said that, you know, musical theater wasn't thick on your resume. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, okay, you're also but, really good with words, but okay. But, but, but that for the role, Madame Tardier, that you were auditioning for, you would be perfect, you would be funny, you would really, you know, steal the show, which you did. Uh, and uh, he was right, uh, and, and I was lucky. Aww. That's so sweet. It was, uh, you know, he was, he was right. Y'all were right. Uh, I'm not, why I do so much musical theater. It's with him, basically. I don't think anybody else would cast me. Um, but I am able to somehow get away with that musical part. But this, you know, I don't get, I don't get intimidated much. I was a smidge, smidge intimidated by auditioning for you. Um, and then also kind of threw caution to the wind, like, I don't care, you know, a little bit. But you did cast me, and I will, one of the most vivid memories that I have of, of you, I can see where I was seated. It was in the upstairs rehearsal room, and it must have been our first rehearsal, and we were all in a circle, and you were walking and talking us through the, the show. And, um, I was like riveted, but then you said something and I wish I could remember you said something so dry and so funny that in the quiet of the room and there were giggles and laughs, but then there was my laugh that I know, you know how big that is. And I could not get my act together after that. I just thought he is hilarious. Do you consider yourself a funny person? Because that's where you had me. I would have walked on hot coals, maybe, close to doing that for you when you made me laugh that big. I have always, you know, funny is really important to me. Funny, you know, finding humor in things. I think my sense of humor is a little off kilter. 
but I, I, I value the fact that my children are funny or that they have a great sense of humor. Uh, and, and, and so having a good sense of humor is a really important quality for me when I make friends or when I meet other people. And using humor to communicate is really important to me. Using humor to diffuse situations or to illustrate situations uh, is really important to me. So it's, it's I, I'd say that while I, yes, I don't know that any, everybody or anybody would find, you know, what I might say funny or humorous, it is an important part of how I see the world. I love it. I love it. And that's a testimony to why I made such a connection with you right there. Let's just um, back up a little bit. I think I, I know loosely your story. I mean, I mean, super loosely, but it's been a while. And so currently right now you are um, serving as artistic director of Syracuse stage in Syracuse, New York. Where are you? Are you from the East Coast originally? I grew up uh, in the mid-Atlantic states. I grew up in Delaware and West Virginia. I've lived, except for the 17 years I spent in Little Rock at the Arkansas Repertory Theater, uh, I've spent most of my life living in New York State, New York City, Pennsylvania. So this, this part of the world, the mid-Atlantic states, is really where I've lived most of my life. And so theater obviously is such a huge part of your world. How did theater find you? Can you back up a little bit on that part? I think it's super sure, cool to sure. hear. I grew up in a really rural town in Southern Delaware, uh, a town of about 1600 people. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, at the time I, you know, was an only child. Uh, and, um, so, you know, creating entertainment was all, you know, was just kind of entertaining myself was always a big part of growing up. So I've always enjoyed the idea of theater. I've always enjoyed that communal experience with other people. Uh, I've always thought it was fun and adventurous. Wasn't a lot of outlet for that where I grew up. Uh, I enjoyed it uh, in, in, uh, in college. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, doing that kind of, uh, but I never thought I was gonna be in theater, even when I was in college. I went to a small liberal arts college. Uh, so it wasn't until after college, uh, I went to acting school in the city. Uh, I really started getting serious uh, in theater. Hold on for a minute, my dog is going nuts. I'm... Dixie! She's... Anyway. Yes, it's... so. Yes, it wasn't until after I'm with you. I moved to New York City out of college that I really thought that, you know, theater was something you could do and maybe even make a living at it. So what was the pull to go to New York City? The fact that I had lived in, uh, uh, you know, uh, rural America and had gone to a small liberal arts college and uh, I, you know, I didn't have any encumbrances. I had the opportunity to go to an acting school for a couple of years in the city that 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 opportunity presented itself so i thought hey let's uh let's uh let's give it a shot let's you know let's move to new york city uh let's see what happens and so you are you were originally an actor or you still are oh no i haven't been an actor for years but that's where i started uh i started out you know like i said i went to acting school uh, i worked as an actor for a while and then pretty quickly transitioned into management uh, and, and really, you know, uh, what turned it for me was 
I spent 15 years at a, a, a an off-Broadway theater company called the Jean Cocteau Repertory. Okay. And I went to work for a woman named Eve Adamson. And Eve was one of those sort of East Village forces of nature that really, you know, uh, uh, along with many other founders of the sort of East Village theater scene in the 60s and 70s, uh, she really was just a compelling human being. And I, I really uh, attribute my career as a professional in our field to spending years with her learning what she knew and what she thought and how she approached the world. Uh, I was very fortunate to kind of be, you know, uh, uh, an, uh, almost an apprentice for her for many years. And so I did, I did that. That's how I made a transition from being an actor to learning how to run a theater to learning how to be a director. Wow. So I don't know that I tied all that together, but that is so cool. It's kind of like it was all right there in one arena. So it could, one thing could kind of bleed into the other. Um, what was the very first show that you directed? I directed in 1988, I think it was, 88 or 89. I directed, 88. I directed a play by C.P. Taylor called Good uh, uh, about a, a doctor living in 1930s Germany who, through a series of decisions that make sense to him at the time, ends up becoming uh, you know, a, a Nazi doctor in a concentration camp. Whoa. Uh, and the play had a run with Alan Howard on Broadway. Whoa. Uh, and we were reviving it at the Cocteau. And it was the first play that I had directed on, you know, uh, in the city, uh, and uh, it was well received, and I was very fortunate in that regard. Uh, and so that was the, that was the first play I directed, and then I continued to direct in the city for uh, a number of years after that. How? What was the uh, link to Arkansas? How did you end up there? By the way, I I I loved that, and I know it had a lot to do with you. Kudos to everyone else that was underneath you um there in management what have you but i just loved my experience there when when i went out there to do les mis i absolutely loved it and that's like i said uh i'm sure a complete reflection of you but how did you get there well so i was at the cocteau for 15 years uh and had been the artistic director of the company for nine years uh and had also been teaching college in pennsylvania and doing the things that you have to do when you run a small theater company in New York to, to make ends meet. But also at the time, uh, um, I had, by that time in my life, I had three young children. Uh, and so I really needed, you know, I wanted, I, 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 you know, I always wanted to have a family and have the things that are, you know, that, that come with that. But it felt time for, for us to, to leave the city and to, you know, look for a more, uh, a, you know, regional theater uh, uh, opportunity. And the opportunity that presented itself was the Arkansas Repertory Theater in Little Rock. Uh, and so we transitioned from the city to Arkansas uh, uh, and um, around, uh, around 1999 in that ballpark there uh, and um, spent 17 years there. My kids consider you know, Little Rock home. Uh, we have lots of friends there. Uh, uh, I met my, now my wife there, my, my second wife uh, there. Uh, and um, uh, so, you know, that's, that's, you know, that, that's, we really enjoyed, I really enjoyed my time at Arkansas Repertory Theater. It was a great place to work. 
It's a great city to create theater in. Uh, and uh, I had a really positive experience there because of all the great people I was able to work with in Arkansas. Um, I know that we have a mutual friend that was part of your staff, Raphael, and he came along and I met him during the, um, the Les Mis um, opportunity. I, the two of you, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. You have a, you have a great way of dealing with all kinds of people and you and Raphael are quite different in your personalities, um, but had such a great communicative relationship and the way you addressed us as um, part of the team that came out to Phoenix. And then of course, when I was with you in, um, in Little Rock, what would you say that your strength is as, um, it, it, well, let's just go both and maybe they're different, maybe they're the same in theater management. And then probably for me, I'm most curious as far as a director. I hope the answer to that question is I, I, I help people uh, do their best work. That, that hopefully I can be encouraging and supportive so that people feel comfortable uh, to do their best work. You mentioned Raphael, one of my favorite people, uh, just so incredibly inventively creative. Yes. Such a fun person to be around uh, that, you know, I, I, I so enjoyed. One of the highlights of my time in Arkansas was getting to work so long with Raphael. Uh, he, was, uh, he was really um, just so funny and so smart and so inventive that uh, he made us all look good. Uh, but it's really just hopefully, hopefully I, you know, I can encourage people and help bring people together and hopefully bring the right people together that are right for whatever story we're telling or whatever project we're tackling or whatever challenge we're facing. Uh, just hopefully getting everybody to row in the same direction in a way that everybody feels like they're all contributing their part. And that that's has... What, that's Sorry, say that again? No, that's what I hope I can do. And I, you know, listening to you, I'm nodding my head. I know nobody can see me, but um, the three of us had uh, an opportunity to kind of become friends. And then I've stayed in touch with you and I stay in touch with Raphael. So I'm hearing this of you and it really is resonating. I guess that might be one of your greatest strengths is being able to, uh, well, first of all, I don't peg you as being a control freak. I think that comes out in subtle, passive-aggressive ways. Oh, it does? Okay. <laughs> I think my wife might disagree. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, I, I, think I, like to have, I like to have a lot of control over my own environment. Okay. I think that's just a, you know, a, a quality of any, any, any uh, you know, high-functioning, anxiety-ridden person is that they want <laughs> to control their own environment as much as they can. Uh, um, and that's probably where, where, where that comes out in me. And I guess more what I'm saying is that um, as you work with others, I did see you relinquish, though your opinions seem to be present, but I mean, in gathering people together and getting everyone to move in the same direction, I would see that as being one of your significant strengths is being able to identify 
people of quality and what have you, but then releasing them to do that. That's kind of what I'm talking about. I, I know that you, that there is an opportunity that you could sit on people if you needed to. Um, but I just don't see you as someone doing that. Am I right that way? Or have I totally been lied to by you? No, 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 no. I, 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 I think that's accurate. You know, I, I, I'm, I, uh, I think, you know, I, yes, yes. I, I, I'm not that, you know, uh, um, person that, you know, lives in my head and wants everybody to kind of join me in my head and, 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 and figure it out. I, I am, I'm pretty comfortable, you know, navigating, competing uh, ideas and competing visions and then helping to hopefully get some unity out of that and move everybody forward. Uh, um, that, you know, I really enjoy that. And, and, and frankly, I mean, you know, that's where, you know, that's where all, you know, if, if people feel comfortable expressing themselves and, and know that they have an outlet for their own vision and ideas as it's serving, you know, a collective vision and a collective set of ideas, that's really quite wonderful. And that's what's wonderful about theater. It is a collaborative art form. You know, if you want to have your own way of doing things, you can, you know, you can write a book or you can do something that doesn't require, uh, you know, 20 other people to help you realize a vision. Uh, um, and hopefully realize it in a way that's fun and, and that, that you want to do it again and not like, Oh God, that was a nightmare. You know, that's you, you know, hopefully you don't have to spend too much time of your life in that situation. What do you, what do you enjoy most about your, your job, all aspects of it? Well, and I, you know, I really enjoy, and I, you know, I have a, here in Syracuse, I'm the artistic director in, in Arkansas, I was the producing artistic director. Mm -hmm. So in Arkansas, you know, all roads led to me, whether it was marketing or development or budget uh, or, uh, or production. As the artistic director here in Syracuse, and I've been here five years now, uh, I really enjoy the situation here because I'm, I'm the artistic director. So really, the parts of this organization that, 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 that run through me are you know, artistic production, education, and outreach. And I have a, a wonderful uh, a collaborative partner in our managing director, Jill Anderson, who is, you know, who, whose side of the aisle is finance, marketing, budgeting, development, those sort of things. So I enjoy that in this part of this, this phase of my career, uh, you know, I'm able to focus on the, on the artistic work. And that's really incredibly rewarding. The things that, you know, the thing that I enjoy the most used to be, and I've been directing plays for 30 some years, you know, over 30 years. Wow. And I love being in the rehearsal room and I love working with actors. Uh, but also, as I get older, I also really enjoy being able to encourage that in others, being able to see others realize, you know, giving, giving opportunity in many respects. You know, the older I get uh, as, a, as, a, as an artistic director, the more I feel like part of me, part of my job, is to is to get out of the way Interesting. So part of my part of my job is to is to, to to provide opportunity to use my sort of you know gatekeeper role as an artistic director to to make sure that others great other voices have opportunities to express those voices to encourage and support but then to get out of the way and increasingly you know i i think that hopefully over the next several years i can provide guidance and leadership but I can also gracefully uh, and, 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 and uh, uh, intelligently get out of the way <laughs> so that other folks have opportunity and other folks have, have a chance uh, to, uh, you know, to, to create work 
and to, to define new ways and exciting ways of, of looking at our, our art form. Um, that's so cool. I don't, that, I mean, that's really cool, Bob. Uh, I, um, I, I know that the, this world, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for you, but um, not this time. Um, but I know that this world kind of tugs on ego and uh, because we probably couldn't do, we collectively, the, you know, artists and all of us couldn't do this if we didn't have at least, you know, that ego uh, somewhat sturdy structure beneath. But so that's really a cool thing to hear you say. That's a wonderful blend, I think. You did say um, that in this role that you're in as an art, um, uh, artistic director, that it was, re you use the word, it's rewarding. Can you break that down? Um, what is rewarding for you? Well, two things. One, just selfishly, getting to work with really cool people. Uh, people that that feed my energy, feed my uh, imagination, uh, uh, you know, feed feed my uh, intellectual curiosity. Uh, so working with theater folks does that for me all the time. And then, of course, as an artistic director, you know, uh, creating work that engages a community, mm. whether it's in Little Rock, Arkansas, or New York City, or Syracuse, New York, you know, finding and creating, encouraging, developing, whether it's me as a director or somebody else as a director, creating theatrical experiences that help, that, 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 that entertain or change somebody's life or give them a new way of looking at something or just an evening of laughter. Uh, that is incredibly rewarding. That, you know, obviously our, our art is created to give to everybody else. It's not it's not our art form unless it happens in front of people or with other people who are experiencing it as you create it. And so that, that, is, that is still to me, continues to be exceptionally rewarding. It is, of course, also frustrating and challenging and, and all those other things. But, of course, you know, it, it, nothing worthwhile doesn't requ is, you know, requires work and, and dedication. Uh, and so, you know, I enjoy working with the people. I've often thought, now here at, at Syracuse Stage, unlike you know, a lot of our other friends in theaters around the country, Syracuse Stage, we, we, didn't, we didn't close down during COVID. We didn't have to lay folks off. We were able to keep our full staff and we were able to, wow. continue, we were able to continue creating work. Now it's been online, but we've been doing, you know, we've done a season of shows uh, that we've been able to put out in the universe. And one of the cool things about COVID is that you know, we've had people uh, in, in, in 47 states and four countries see our work who would never have experienced our work if it wasn't for COVID. Uh, so there, you know, we look for those silver linings, uh, but I do feel like we were very fortunate to, to stay, to keep everybody together, keep people working. But one of the things that I've said in other contexts too is that, holy cow, I, I feel like I'm so lucky that I've been able, at least in my work life, to surround myself with theater folk at this time. Um, because, you know, I, I often thought when I was starting out my career that, that, that I was going to, you know, that I would eventually get over this theater thing and go to law school. And, and, and this is not a knock on lawyers. My, my middle boy is an, is, an, is an attorney. So this is not a knock on lawyers, but I'm so glad that I got this, you know, looking, you know, 
just, just accidentally, I'm so glad that I was able to spend this time of COVID surrounded by theater folk and interacting with theater folk because that, to me, uh, the, 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 the intelligence, the energy, the, 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 the humor, the uh, emotional availability of, in general, generally speaking, of our, cra our fellow craftsmen uh, is, uh, you know, th these are people that I like spending time with and these are people that I, I value. Uh, and so I've considered myself fortunate in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it has to have been a beautiful buffer, too, to all that's gone on. Can you just uh, give us a peek into how you guys handled this um, by uh, producing things and streaming them online? What that, how, I mean, I know that has to be a whole different process, but can, do you have a little time to give us some insight sure. on that? Sure. We've done, we've done five, five productions uh, during the, the shutdown. We shut down on March, 30, March 13th. Uh, 2020 and here it is in uh, you know about to be May of 2021 and so we've been shut down during that period of time we've done five productions that we that that we've done five productions and we've done a, a dozens of other events uh, smaller scale events but five full fully realized productions and we've done uh, three of them on our stage that we've recorded and we've tried to really make sure even though there is the 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 technology and artistry of of film involved we've tried to keep them as close to a theatrical experience as one can have and we, at, at no time have we ever said what we're doing is a substitute or the e emotional equivalent of experiencing a play live that's not you know we, we never made that claim but we also think that there has been value in the work we've been able to create. So, and even though we've done these five projects, we haven't done none. No two of them have been done in the same way, mm. because in the by the time we by the time November rolled around, uh, Actors Equity Association had said, "Well, you can't bring any actors to Syracuse now because your your COVID numbers are too high. You can only make plays in people's homes." So we did two plays in people's homes, one uh, with a Chicago-based actor, uh, and then uh, one with actors. Uh, we did a play. Uh, Char White's play Annapurna, which he wrote to take place in a, an RV. And uh, I happened to have two wonderful actor friends of mine who live in an RV. So we made a play in their home that just happened to be on wheels. How cool. Uh, okay. So then, then a couple of weeks ago, a month or so ago, Equity said, hey, you can go back to working in your theater. So right now, as we speak, we're uh, in the final throes of... Um, of editing uh, a production of Lauren Gunderson's play, I and You, directed by Melissa Crespo, uh, that uh, we'll release here in a couple of weeks. And then later in another month, we're doing uh, Ethel Fugard's play, Master Harold and the Boys, also recording it in our theater and then broadcasting it. So, you know, we're, we hope to be back to live performance by the fall, still waiting on guidance uh, about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, every, every play has been done differently. Uh, I've directed three of those plays. Uh, we've had two wonderful guest directors come in and create stories in their own ways. Each one done differently. One was done using primarily green screen technology. Okay. One was one was done with uh, embedded cameras all over the place. Uh, one was done uh, on Zoom. One was done filmed in the theater using four cameras. I mean, so you know everything has been. We've, we've been learning. Gosh, kudos to you guys. 
Well, this, you know, go ahead. It's just our, our learning curve has been very steep. <laughs> I'm gonna, I want to guess so, but I mean, wow, that is like rock star creativity. That is well, so we have a really great team of people and really great uh, uh, people doing our filming, our editing. I mean, skill sets that I can't touch, but that, you know, the, again, it's about finding great people and, and, and hitching on to them while they do great work. So uh, in, in the final editing, I'm assuming there's an editing process that has to happen at some point or was in. Yeah, we usually yeah. spend a, a couple of weeks after we've taped, you know, we tape it. Mm -hmm. And then we spend a couple of weeks working with our production company and our editors and our and, and the creative team work to as work collaboratively to uh, to get the play edited in a way that makes sense and, and, and looks good. And then that it gets released for three weeks. I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I, well, you answered one of my questions. I was curious if there had ever been any other type of work or line of work or career that you had been drawn to and you sort of gave a nod to um, the legal world. Was that a serious thought? Oh, definitely. When I was younger. Yeah, no, I always thought, you know, I, I always thought that I, you know, become a lawyer or go into politics or something. I mean, I, I, I'd never thought that, you know, just because of the of where I grew up, I, I, there wasn't any, any model for how one did you know, this kind of thing professionally, you know, or, or, or for a living, uh, it, you know, that, that is just something that evolved gradually when you're in the city and you go, wow, there's a whole bunch of people in this city making something of a living in this field that I love. I can't imagine doing any, at a certain point, you know, I just said, well, I can't imagine doing anything else. I mean, now my whole career too, I've also, I've been, I've also taught college almost my entire career. Mm. And you know, in addition to being an artistic director, I've been either full-time or part-time in a college or university setting since the, you know, the late 1980s. So that's also been a through line and I've always enjoyed doing that. I always feel like I learn more than my students do when I'm teaching because it just, the demands of staying current and staying on top of what's going on in our field and with, with our best practices is essential if you're going to teach others. And so I've always enjoyed, and here at, at Syracuse, obviously we're, we're in residence on the campus of Syracuse University. And so being attached to the drama department at Syracuse University has been a, a huge, a huge benefit for me. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, wow. I can imagine. Um, the, the, um, the pull to uh, continue making sure that there's productions happening. I know we know that theater is so important. How, how can you imagine? I mean, that's a pretty cool thing that other people are watching it in, you said 47 states that have been open to you? Yeah, and like, where are those three states that weren't watching us? I don't know where they <laughs> How dare? Yeah, I'd like to find out. Um, but, but I know we're, you've been so generous and you are in the middle of tech and I um, thank you so much, but I, what are a couple of your highlights? I'd like to hear a career. Oh my gosh. I don't want anyone to ever bring that up because that's one of my worst whatever's if there was ever one or, and then some of your big highlights in terms of directing. Now you're going to think that I'm just, uh, you know, BSing you, but I would say that, that working on Les Mis was one of those highlights. I did, I did Les Mis four times 
you know, twice in, twice in Arizona and twice in, um, in Arkansas. And we were one of the first companies, first regional companies to be given permission to mount our own production of Les Mis. Yes. And that was thrilling. That was thrilling. That, that remains one of my highlights because it was so much fun. And I got to do it so many times and, and with different people and in different ways. Uh, and so uh, um, I really enjoyed uh, that process in, in, you know, working in my life. You know, I, I, there, are, there are productions that stand out, but, you know, like the first play I directed for audiences in Arkansas, the first play I directed for audiences in, uh, in Syracuse. You know, uh, the, the first, uh, there were some uh, premieres I was able to do in New York City that, I, uh, that I'm really proud of and that I really enjoyed uh, in, in working at the Cocteau. Uh, and so, you know, there are productions that stand out in every aspect of my life, whether it's directing a college production uh, that's really stood out for me. I have a couple of those uh, productions I directed in, you know, as guest director in various places. Oftentimes, it's either A, how satisfied I was. Uh, I was with being able to realize, you know, my how close did I come to seeing the play that was in my head on stage? Uh, uh, that's awesome when that happens. But but more importantly, it's just the opposite. Is holy cow! I never envisioned that, and look how much better that vision that 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 ex that, that realization is than what my vision was because so many other people contributed in such amazing ways to what we were what we started. So those experiences, like, holy cow, you know, and it's usually the, the, the experiences that scare me the most, the things that seem most ambitious and most challenging, how are we ever going to pull this off? And then when they, when they come to fruition, and when you see, oh, my gosh, I never, I never thought that, you know, I never envisioned this, and this is so much better than what I could have even have envisioned. Those are the, the experiences that, that stay with me. Uh, um, you know, are there experiences where, like, where I go like, oh, that was a nightmare? You know what? I've been lucky that I, I, I couldn't name one. I could name projects like, oh, gosh, I didn't quite get where I should have gotten in this way or that way. Or, gosh, that, that wasn't what I really wanted to do there. Or, boy, how did, how did I slip up on that one? But, uh, and I have, I have those. But nothing, nothing that I regret, nothing that's like, boy, what a disaster or a mistake that was. I don't. I don't feel that way. It's all, you know, it's all part of just growing and learning. Um, we can wrap up here in a second. I just want to give you a heads up that we'll do that so that you don't, I know you have a lot going on. One thing that I thought of this morning and I'm the, I'm, I'm queen of the metaphor. So roll with me for just a second. I was thinking about the experience of being directed by you. And um, the thing that came to mind this is the metaphor. My grandma was an amazing cook, as I'm sure everyone's was or had many. But she was able to put things together. She knew what went into the recipe, but she did it in, um, in a way where it wasn't exact necessarily. I didn't see a lot of measuring. I didn't see, but I was mesmerized by what she did. And then what happened was this deliciousness all the time. I think that I'm a pretty good cook and I learned to kind of cook from her in a similar way. When I was trying to get words around what it felt like, I felt like I didn't even know I was being directed. 
and I don't know if that's a compliment or not. It felt like you got me and everybody else. You were that these pieces were moving. You knew how to move them, but it didn't. Um, it it felt like it happened before I knew it. And it was so comfortable. I'm getting chill bumps a little bit because I'm so sincere right now. It was so comfortable. And I came into my own, even though I do agree I brought some comedic chops to the table, that whole, I mean, lay miss, you know, and I just thought I got here and I know Bob helped me do it, but it didn't feel manipulated you know what i mean like there and and i don't mind being manipulated either i i'm actually i'm very susceptible to being manipulated but um that's another show um but i i is does that resonate with you as who you are as a director i mean it's almost like i thought my grandma's cooking was magical you know she just knew the ingredients but they she put them in in her kind of way and something magical happened and that's how I felt it felt effortless in many ways it's like being directed by a hobbit you know <laughs> they're, they're under the <laughs> no. oh my god oh, okay <laughs> you know they're, they're under you know you, you they, they uh they uh you know under promise and over deliver uh um uh I, I, I don't, I guess that, yes, yes, that makes sense. I think in my head, you know, a, a director always has to stay a few steps ahead to make sure yeah. we're going to get where we're going to get. But I also do think that it is true that if, that if you can get actors design, if you can get people to believe that they own what they're doing, then I always think that's a richer experience. I think there is a lot of psychiatry psycho and psychology in directing uh, because not everybody responds to the same kind of, um, of, of, of guidance or encouragement. Uh, um, I think the number one skill of a director is empathy. Wow. I, th I think that, that, uh, that the director to realize their ideas and to try to, you know, it's just, a, it's about how you can read the room, how you can key into what a certain actor needs to help them realize their character and their work. That's job, that's, that's, that's the key. That's the essential ingredient is empathy. Empathy for the character, empathy for the actor, empathy for the situation to have that that radar that that empathetic radar is i think the most important quality of a director i think we can end this podcast episode on that that gave me chills made my eyes tear up a little bit and that you did a much better job of uh, sharing my experience than i did um but you hit for me you hit the nail on the head. And I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that. So kudos to you to do that again for me. Um, 
you're you you are uh, the king of that. But Bob Hop, I am inspired by you, and um, you made me laugh my big laugh that probably will cause a lot of feedback. I have no way of controlling that. Um, and um, you enlightened me and entertained, and I know my podcast listeners are going to be tickled with you. Is um, is this next? What do you? Is this next season that you're looking into with a little bit of a crystal ball? Is it hopeful that you see uh, your theater? reopening in the way that it's designed to be absolutely and of course i think you know to be in our profession requires always hope i mean we we always have to be hopeful right that that's that has to be part of our our vision is is hope and so yes i'm very hopeful i'm hopeful that we will reopen and i'm hopeful that people can come back and experience theater i think you know we've missed it and maybe we haven't even noticed that we've missed it and maybe it's not until we're back experiencing it that we realize how much we missed it. But yes, I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful. Well, my friend, I'd love to have you on again later on, maybe when the theater opens and just hear about the excitement of that. And because um, I have a lot more I wanted to ask you. I tried to, uh, to hold back a little bit, but thank you again. Don't go away. I'm going to stop recording just so I can say goodbye to you you know, off of the recording and um, you have been a blessing. You knocked my socks off today. You are very kind and I am very glad to have joined you today. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Just a second. He's just super cool. He's super cool that Bob. I hope you enjoyed our conversation together. Um, I feel very fortunate to have a friend like him in my life along with Raphael that I met in the same time frame in the same show um, that we had spoken of. But these are just good people and good humans, first of all, but very gifted and talented in their own right and do so much for the good of the theater in the roles that they serve. So I am uh, grateful and appreciative and kind of sit in awe of Bob Hupp. And he knows that. He knows that. That's probably why he tolerates me. Well, thank you guys for listening. You know that we're coming up. We're knocking on the door of one year. I will be running briefly a an anniversary episode that will not fall on a Tuesday. It will be released on my birthday, which is May the 28th. And that's what happened last year. So this Friday, be listening and looking for a little something that just says thank, thank you to... I've been drinking. Can you tell that I can't get my words out? No, I'm not drinking, but um, I have a thick tongue today. Uh, anyway... I will be wanting to say thank you to you for following and hanging with me for a year. And I'm really kind of blown away with my own self that I stuck in this long because I can drop things like a hot potato, but I didn't. And that's because I love spending time with you. Go share, hit that button that needs to be hit and leave some comments and all that other stuff, make sure you're subscribed and we will just um, roll on into your number two here shortly. Thank you. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>